Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. <laughs> oh, no, wait a minute. You're laughing at me? Is that how you're going to no, start the show? No, right no, 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 not, not at you. Okay. No, I mean, you don't know what I'm laughing okay, at. I no, can just I be laughing. I do, as a matter of fact. I, okay? I you have no idea. with a big T on my forehead. I, I don't even, I haven't even said anything <laughs> yet. <laughs> not one thing have I said. <laughs> yes, man. Do I deserve that, ladies and gentlemen? I do. I deserve that, as I say, through clenched teeth. <laughs> it's so, honestly, it's what you got to do when you're on top. You champion your victories, base and onions, and you ignore your defeats. Unless, of course, your team goes out and gets their butt handed to them by FAU. Florida Atlantic, we, you know, they're my new favorite team, though, right now. They are a fun team. I they think everybody's are, kind of adopting They are them. a fun team to watch. Florida Atlantic, a nine-seed, of course, just thrashing the Tennessee Volunteers and Rocky Top. How beautiful that was. I mean, I enjoyed it. <laughs> the BPI, let's just talk. We, I need to reevaluate the BPI. <laughs> I think you might. I think at some point in time, based on our needs, I might have to go next next year to Ken Pop. I might have to do that just to actually change the entire metric. Ken Palm won't steer you wrong, although this year he might have, I don't know. But uh, but you need to, you have to decide if you're just going overall, adjusted offense, or adjusted defense. Yeah, you know what, Luke? I'm joking. I'm not, <laughs> you're sticking with the no, BPI? Of course oh. I'm sticking with the BPI. I'm going to rip the BPI when they, they how, how in the world how in the world could you actually have the Tennessee Volunteers reaching the Final Four when they can't shoot BPI? Seems like an issue. See, it's great because you can blame the BPI base. It means you don't when you when you just use a metric to determine what your bracket is going to be. Even if it means saying your alma mater is going to be the first team out, that's what you do. <laughs> and guess what? That's what I did. I, you have to remove yourself from the equation when you fill out a bracket, and that's what I did, and that's why I love the BPI. But the great thing about it is you can always blame somebody else. <laughs> well, it really is a foolproof system. But I, they, don't be too harsh on the BPI because they got you UCLA in the Final Four, right? Oh, oh. yeah, okay. You just said that. Yeah. Give me the protective cup right now, honestly, <laughs> because this show is going to be bad. So, okay, I How have... many teams do you have <laughs> remaining in your Final yeah, Four, this is why They actually have to get to the Final Four, not the Sweet 16. <laughs> okay, yes, basic audience, we all know that's that was, that was my trump card right there. That was it. How many teams did you get into the final four in the Sweet 16? Because we all know that's that's hard to do. It is if your final four is intact. You might have getting, zero by the end of tonight. I know. As a matter of fact, I could have a big zero. You'll I've still have, you'll two, have Alabama. You'll, I've got two. Well, you never know. Um, I felt pretty good about Tennessee until I actually saw them shoot the basketball <laughs> last night. It was brutal. Oh, my goodness. They gave up 22 points in the first half and lost, and lost. the game. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's tough to do. 
I kind of quietly <laughs> yesterday thought, thought maybe we'd be okay that FAU would beat Tennessee and I'd have that. I, I don't I don't quietly think San Diego State's going to beat Alabama. I think you're at least going to have Alabama. Okay, great. Uh, so I have two teams in the Final Four. How's your bracket, Basinonians? That's a question that I'll ask you right now. You know, I, I didn't ask you this. Uh, Pixie, of course, command and control. How's your bracket right now? How's it looking? I have two teams oh, okay. still alive in my <laughs> final have, four oh, okay. as well. That's great. All right. Fine. All right. Yes, you have two. I get it. So do I. What How about, about we you? do this? How about, okay. Well, I, I lost UCLA last night, but was happy to do it because it cost you. So I only have one. Okay. You have. Okay. Luke has one base in on <laughs> and, and I think that one's out of here tonight. <laughs> what about you, Rick? How many teams you got in the final four still alive? No comment. Okay, that uh, Rick has none. Let's do this right now. Okay, uh, um, everybody. Okay, so it's me and you, Pixie. I'm telling you right now, you're going down. I think you uh, don't have Bama in Houston, do you? I do. Oh no. Who do you have winning the whole thing? Bama. Oh, so there it is. There's the difference. Who do you have? You have Houston. Houston. I think How whoever nice whoever wins UConn Gonzaga is going to win the whole thing. That's what I think. Wow. And, and I actually feel pretty confident Did about you, that. You know what's so amazing about that? How many people right here, right now, thought that Gonzaga was going to roll? Right? Come on now. They thought that they were going to roll? Yeah, yeah. Last right? night? No, through the oh. bracket. Well, I mean, there are a lot of people looking at me going, the typical Gonzaga, yeah. here we are. But here's, I think we need to, because you're right, everybody had that thought, but we do need to remember typical Gonzaga means they go on a run for the first weekend and maybe part of the, it's just they don't ever actually win the whole thing. But they do go on a run. Because you're right, I had the same thought. of like, God, oh, it's Gonzaga. I'm tired of picking it's them every just, year. There wasn't a lot of people saying Gonzaga had a shot to win the whole because thing. Because we were all tired of picking them. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, yeah. it doesn't change the fact that there wasn't a lot of people looking at Gonzaga saying they even had a chance. And so to all of those people, and I'm including myself in this, we have to remember, even though Gonzaga never actually wins the whole thing, they usually win three or four games. Can you imagine if they were there? <laughs> what, what if they got a, What if they win the whole thing this year of all years? I mean, it's pretty I'm shocked. It's pretty easy for them because they do have a 35 year old superstar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when Drew Stop Timmy with the 35, he's in his 15th he looks year. Like he's of, 32. Well, it's, it doesn't matter. He's been there since I think Reagan was president when he first started at Gonzaga, and he yeah, just kept going. He he is. Yeah, it's kind of like Utah once again. <laughs> you know. Uh, so many of these Utah kids are 25, got two kids, but you, that's beside well, the point. Yeah, right but they're now. in the Pac-12, so it doesn't help okay, them because there's no Pac-12 teams left in the tournament. There's no Pac-12 None. teams. Not How's that any. feel right there? Not great. Uh, yeah. You know, I do think UCLA. Yes. Well, I don't know. Gonzaga was good. That game was wild. Did you? I mean, for UCLA to be up as much as they were at the half, and then I don't know if they just thought the game was over. And then Gonzaga comes all the way back, and they're up as much as they are with like a minute and a half left. And I don't know if they thought the game was yeah, over. No, it's it's so true. UCLA had this game in control. It just killed me. To, yeah, they were down a couple of players. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, uh, Gonzaga couldn't stop anybody in the first half. Like, I, no. I mean, anybody. UCLA was rolling. And, man... UCLA was was just a disaster in the second half, period. And the only team that was a bigger disaster was the Tennessee Volunteers <laughs> in the second half. That's the truth. I love this. I just the I, vo- I mean, they weren't great offensively in the first half either. Okay, no, 
They were not. 27 points. points. Okay, and you were looking at just going, oh my goodness, what is going on, Rick Barnes? What is is this? But then we got the answer to what was going on. That's what was going on. But we were, how about the Michigan State game, though? The Michigan State game was the highlight of yesterday. What, yeah. what a game. Matt Ishbia was there. Did you see him? Sitting I, the, I did not, uh, as a matter of fact. He sitting next to, I, I think, it was Isaiah Thomas was there. Uh, there, was, there was quite a few people there. Um, and look, I mean, Michigan State has a pretty good pedigree, so they have a pretty good uh, history and, and pretty good collection of alumni. But now they are out as well. This is... Um, this is quite the tournament this year. It really is. I, I, the UConn-Gonzaga, whatever you have going on at 5.49 p.m. tomorrow, I feel like you got to move it around because that's, that's, that's a good one. But even the games tonight, like Houston-Miami, I don't think that's a lock. Xavier-Texas, yeah, that's a pretty good one. I, I Marquise Noel and what he did yesterday, Basinonians, honestly, you watched the game. I know that you probably did. Michigan State, Kansas State. Marquise Noel... Um, for Kansas State, 20 points, 19 assists. I think it was simply one of the greatest performances. And I, I realize there's a lot of people saying this. It, it, it's the truth. There's nothing else to say. If you watch that game, watching Marquise Noel and what he did, simply one of the greatest games I think we've ever seen in the tournament. That's fair. By an individual. And you know what? It gave me hope because didn't he roll his ankle? Isn't that what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you can not only play through a rolled ankle, you can be amazing with a rolled ankle. Yeah. It I made just, me believe. Right. Um, hopefully, he's going to be okay going forward. Well, he seemed right, fine. Marquise? seemed fine anyway. He was, yes. able to, uh, he was able to fight through it. We didn't even get to the ASU stuff. Um, we'll get into that later on in the show, I guess. But a uh, couple couple transfers away from ASU now. Jemiah Neal and, and DJ Horn already transferring away. Yeah. Yeah. This is the way that it is with the NIL. This is the way that it is in college athletics. We teach our kids to cut and run whenever it gets good or whenever you got to fight. Yeah, I wanna, that's just awful. I, I mean, I like it's both those guys, awful. but I especially like DJ Horn. That's that's a that's a loss. Hey, you know what? If a coach develops you and a program develops you, hey, it's time to cut and run because somebody's going to offer you more. Or you know what? You don't like it because the coach is hard and he's mean. And you know what? You you don't go get out instead of persevering, instead of enduring, cut and run. Yeah, that's great. I would um, I would argue that extends beyond just college sports in 2023, but and beyond just that age group. But we can have that debate yeah, it might, another time. It might extend beyond that, Luke. But at the same time, this is college athletics. This this is a context, a paradigm that has totally changed, and it sucks buttermilk. Uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks are heading to Chase Field for one night only, December 8th. Tickets go on sale this. Uh, today, actually, at 10 a.m. But you can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. We come back. Suns GM James Jones Jones joined Burns and Gambo yesterday. Had an interesting message regarding how his team has to handle the officiating. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, well, this is uh, good timing, I guess, considering what we were going to talk about. It's not great for Monty Williams' uh, wallet, though. 
from NBA Communications just came down. Monty Williams fined $20,000 for public criticism of the officiating. It was announced today by Joe Dumars, executive VP, head of basketball operations. You should get a discount if you're right, though. Like, okay, $20,000 for credit, but you get $7,000 back because you're right. We watched the tape and they were horrible. Wow, can you imagine that right there? Um, I thought it was pretty benign what Monty Williams said, but he did go on and talked about it over and over and over again. The 46 to 20, the 46 free throws, he did expound on that. There's no doubt. But when you think about it, um, I don't think he said anything wrong. I don't think he said anything that was bad. Just sticking up for his team. This is one of the reasons why maybe he ought to get his money's worth and get ejected from a game. (laughs) Maybe that would help. I I wonder if it's because it's been talked about post-game for a few games in a row now. Again, don't take any blame on yourself, officials. Go ahead and just find Monty Williams. That'll solve the problem. Uh, there's other there's other people around the league that are happy with the officiating. We'll get into that later on in the show. But uh, specifically for the Suns, Monty Williams gets fined. I can already tell you what he's going to say after the game tonight, Wolf, because somebody's going to ask him about the officiating and what's he supposed to say. Yeah. So he's just going to say flat out, I'm not talking about the officiating anymore. Yes. <laughs> Unless you want to pay my fine, and right. I don't blame him. Yeah. So now people cannot get mad at him if he doesn't talk about the officiating after the game tonight because he's getting fined. You know, once again, um, there's a lot of people talking about the officiating in the NBA right now, and there are some people that I know that I have a great deal of love and respect for that have been talking about it for years. Years. Um, for me, it I, I, I can't stand talking about it. I really cannot because I've always assumed these guys were the best in the business. I've always assumed that. It's the same way in the game of football. I've assumed they're the best in the business. It, it's a meritocracy. If you actually are good at your job, you're going to get promoted. This is what we all want, right? This is what we, we believe in, that it is equitable, that it is a situation where it's based on your merit that you're going out and you actually are good at your job and because of that you're going to be promoted this is what i have always aspired to and believe especially when you're talking about billions of dollars that are at stake when you're talking about an industry like the nba or the nfl or major league baseball billions teams that are worth billions of dollars you're not just going to let any joe blow officiate your games or referee your games, correct? Maybe not. But the one thing I know is too many people that are in the know are talking about the NBA in regard to the officiating being garbage. Well, look, I mean, this is the story. It's not just the story here right now. It's the story in a few other cities. We'll, we'll get more into that around the league in a little bit because we've got some interesting uh, some interesting quotes out there. But I want to focus on what James Jones said to Burns and Gambo yesterday, Wolf, because I think that this is probably the best way to handle it now if you're the Suns. You have said your piece. Now your head coach just in the last few minutes got fined $20,000. The players have vented. They're obviously frustrated. Like I said yesterday, it felt like the, their comments and their demeanor after the Lakers game, it felt like they got eliminated from the playoffs. They're not. (laughs) They're the four seed, and they're getting Kevin Durant back here potentially in a week, but it felt like that. So James Jones said, okay, what you got to do now is focus on what you can control. That's the thing that we can control. Um, And so, you know, we're going to focus on what we can control. And, you know, stand in front of the the offensive players, 
you know, showing our hands, um, you know, trying to, to avoid collisions. Um, but the thing we can control is whether or not we foul. So we're going to move forward. I mean, harping on it any further is not really going to change the outcome of yesterday's game. We just have to get ready for Sacramento, a really good team that's playing some good basketball as we be near the end of the season. That is such a player mentality. That is that is the reason why I love James Jones as a general manager. He has never forgotten that player mentality. He is a player general manager. That's what he is. And I love the fact that he said what he said. The onus is still there. It's on the players. He still is saying, go out and do your job. Why don't you move your feet and stay in front of somebody? I love that. Yeah, here's the actually the other part of what he was saying right there. We just got to be better. Um, you know, we're fouling. They're calling the fouls. Um, we can't control whether or not they, they give us free throw attempts, but we can't control whether or not we're giving them up. And and so I think we've set our piece and, and for our team and for our, our guys. In turn, we're focused on, on correcting those things. You know, we just can't foul. You know, if we don't foul, um, it's a different game. Did he give his players an out right there, Basinonians? Did he give his players an out? No. He didn't give them an out. I also think you he hit control on what you can control. What a lot of people have sort of come to the agreement on of sometimes you get called for a foul that you don't believe is a foul, but sometimes you're also fouling. I think where most of us are is if it's a foul on one end of the court. Why isn't it a foul when it happens to Devin Booker specifically on the other end of the court? That's the part that has clearly riled up the Suns, riled up Suns fans. It is difficult to watch. Now, look, I don't really want to watch a game that's free throws on one end and then free throws on the other end. And then I hate that. I hate that's not basketball to me. But if you're going to give one team 46 free throw attempts and then that team is fouling the other team. (laughs) <laughs> I guess if that's the way you want to call a game where it's just nothing but free throws, you do need to call it on both sides of the court. You can't be like, hey, we called a foul when the Lakers had the ball, so you know, I'm going to take a break now because that would be bad. But just call what you see. And I'm assuming Scott Foster, and it's not just him, NBA officiating in general, can be a lot better than what they've been. Yeah, around. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. just saying Suns games. I'm saying around the league. I'm sure, but again, I, I love it. This is this is life to me. This is life in in regard to the context of sports. Listening to James Jones talk about this, control what you can control. I, I guarantee you, the only way out this door for the Phoenix Suns is controlling what you can control. The only way that you're going to be able to justify the free throws is out that door. Control what you can control. Do what you can do. Fix what you need to fix. I, I love it. It is it is a player mentality. And James Jones, I'm sure, is working behind the scenes somehow, some way, in the channels of the NBA. And officiating. And and trying to somehow, some way address this disparity that is going on right now. And I will promise you, Monty Williams is probably doing that as well, well behind the scenes. And James Jones is also doing the he's, he's taking a different tact. Now, look, officials aren't supposed to do this. But would it really shock you if some of these calls are going against the Suns because they've been complaining about the officials? 
I don't know. James you'd Jones love, is going the other way. You'd love to think that they're they're not coming into this game going, we're going to punish the Phoenix. Uh, maybe Suns. it's not even that. Maybe, but maybe it's just like I'm sick. I mean, look, we've seen it in the past, not just with the Suns. We've seen it in the past with, with other teams where it's it's clear that certain officials just we see it in game. Like you sit there and you show up an official, you're more likely to get more fouls called on you later in the game. That is it. These. Not all the officials, but some of them clearly have egos, and they aren't really held accountable after the game. It's just, you know, it was fine. You don't know the rules. Like, really, nobody else knows the rules. So James Jones is probably taking the better path of, all right, we've said our piece. I'm not going to sit here and get on every official's bad side. This was his advice to the uh, the team. By just moving on, um, I I get it. People want to continue to, to harp on it. You know, we've, we've, we've made our point. Uh, we think that, you know, we need to continue to, to, to be resilient. Um, but more importantly, we just need to control, control what we can control. And so we're going to go into, like I said, the, the next a few games for us are, are big. We have Sacramento coming up. We have Philly coming up. Um, we're just thinking about how we can guard them better, how we can perform better, and, and how we can, you know, execute and, and win games. Yeah, you know, once again, the player, you got to focus on you. You got to focus on that door. And the only way out of this room that you're in right now that is nasty and cold and dark, you got to focus on that door. And that door is what do you control? How do you play? You can control how you play. I love the fact James isn't giving his players any out whatsoever. You got to move your feet, stay in front of your opponent. You got to play better defense. Stop turning the ball over. I, I I love that. Put it on the players because that's the only way out. It's it's not going to change. The players have got to focus on their job. It's the only way out the door because Adam Silver isn't walking through that door. He's not going to walk through and say, "Okay, everything's fine." That's not happening. Well, you got to deal in the reality, too. As frustrating as this is, if the Suns got 10 more free throws the other night, that doesn't mean they win the game. Like, that's that's not the only issue with this team. It's, it's in fact, the one that you can control the least. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. It's rule change season in the NFL. Do you like any of the new proposals? We will get into those next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show here on this Friday morning. It's Wolf and Luke. Wolf, I'm, I'm reading through some of these uh, these proposed rule changes in the NFL. and Nothing has been changed yet, but they're just proposals right now. The same was angry that day, my friends. <laughs> There's a lot. What is there, 17? 17 of these. Seems like a lot of them by the Lions for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what they're trying to prove. Spielman. Somebody get me Spielman. Give me Chris Spielman on the line, well, please. We had him. We had him. I know. We, he didn't tell us he was going to sit there and propose 15 different rule changes. Uh, you brought this up, though, pre-show. There's one that's that's noticeably absent that I think a lot of people thought would be proposed and, and maybe even implemented. Nothing has been proposed to stop teams from doing what the Philadelphia Eagles were doing, where they just lined everybody up and shoved Jalen Hurts or whoever, whatever player you want, over the, uh, the line of scrimmage for a couple yards. And it worked 
I believe, all but one time all season for the Eagles. Yeah, I know. Um, the rugby scrum, if you will, base and onions, we've seen this, right? Where the quarterback gets under center, of course, and here comes the quarterback sneak. And everybody gets behind the quarterback and pushes the quarterback. We, we have seen that. And um, I, I can't stand the play. I think it's brilliant because the rules say you can do that. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I get Go it. Go ahead, do it until you can't. The problem is right now, converting that third and one, that third and two even, is it's almost the norm. It's almost a free play. It, it is. It is. It's almost a norm right now, and because of that, that angers me. It does. you got to do something about this. I, I, my prediction would be that they are going to do something about it a year from now. I don't know why they're not doing it now, but what stops you? And you were saying this before. I mean, honestly, what stops Tennessee from giving the ball to Derrick Henry and having three of his teammates push him? Who's going to stop that? Yeah, talking about Derrick Henry actually lining up behind the center and taking the snap. It doesn't have to be Jalen Hurts. That's exactly right. Forget about your quarterback. Why would you do it with your quarterback? We're going to see running backs. We're going to see people like Patrick Ricard, who's 303 pounds, a fullback for the Baltimore Ravens. They're going to try him out. Can you take a, can you take a snap from center? You know what? Listen, I want you to come out 10 minutes before practice every day and take snaps from center just for this. Just for this right here. It sounds ridiculous until you think, well, what if every time you had a third and one, you could automatically convert? Automatically. Think about it, Luke. And so that's why I think it'll get changed next year. Even a third and two. Probably, yeah. And so I, I think it's going to look so ridiculous at times. I kind of thought it looked ridiculous last year. I mean, what more do you need? It was in the Super Bowl. Every time Philadelphia needed a yard, they could get it. They could get it every it's, time. It's If it expands anymore, and I don't know why it wouldn't, beyond just the Eagles, it's going to get changed next year. It's, you know, it, it, it angers me, Basinonians. It does. I, I love the game of football. Anybody that has listened to this show, you know um, the game of football is personal. <laughs> it's personal to me. And um, athletics, so much of athletics is personal to me as well, but especially the blood sport. And watching this happen right now, at some point in time, will the NFL, will the NFL ever do anything that might impede the progress of an offense? <laughs> some, rule, like it. some rule change that might actually make it even tougher on the offense at some point in time. Are, are we going to see that? It's it's lopsided right now. This game that I love, it is it is the arrow is pointing all the way over to the offense, and the rules are favoring the offense ad nauseum. And it, what you're you're killing the game, in my opinion. You are, and I know it's. I'm old. I don't care. I it's, it might be old school. Yeah, I'm going to wave that flag because that's the right way. This is not. And you say, Luke, you say, hey, you know what? I think next year they're going to go ahead and they're going to eliminate. 
I, I don't think so. Well, not when you're get, you're able to convert third and two. Let's just go ahead and run that play. The percentage is ninety percent. We're actually going to convert it when we get five guys who stand behind our guy and push. I mean, it was, it was higher than ninety percent for Philadelphia this year. It was for Philadelphia. And, and yes. So the only, I think it'll at least be proposed a year from now because I think it's going to get. I think it's going to get to the point where the league gets embarrassed. That, hey, it's third and two, so that we don't even need to watch this play. You know, and it's going to happen, Basin audience. Watch how many guys are not quarterbacks who start taking quarterback sneaks, who start taking the snap behind that center, and then getting pushed as well. I don't, I don't mind when offensive linemen will run four yards downfield and push the guy, push the ball carrier as well, run around their guy. They used to do it all the time, but guess what? They weren't trying to push the ball carrier. You know what they were trying to do? Take your head off. If you were the guy trying to tackle them, if they could hit you in the face in any way, shape, or form because you had your arms around their ball carrier and they could bash you in the face. That's why offensive linemen used to run down the field three, four yards. It wasn't trying to, it wasn't trying to push the ball carrier. It was trying to hit you in the face, which I loved. <laughs> you, do you okay. really think you had to add that uh, that little I, I'm, yeah, addendum I, I, there at I the end? Just, I'm, it, it drives me crazy because the rules favor the offense so much right now, and that's what Roger Goodell and the NFL, that's what they want. There's they, they, at least something from the Rams maybe working in your favor, the proposal that you would be able to review roughing the passer. That's about the closest thing you're getting to anything okay. that might impede an offense a little bit. Yeah, review roughing the passer. Um, but even that, that's a proposal. It hasn't happened, and but it, that that's minor. That doesn't mean it would necessarily work against you. You could review it as well. Say, he roughed our quarterback. Yeah. Throw the flag. Well, I was hoping you wouldn't think of that half of it. I know. I was just, just trying to find something for you. I know. It's just ridiculous right now, and... You know, Basinonians, the NFL is, is, I love the National Football League, of course, but the NFL doesn't own, own the game of football. It doesn't. It, and they, they got to remember that. They own the National Football League. They own that. There's no doubt about it. But they don't own the game of football. And I don't want to see them continue this trend of all these rule changes that favor the offense because they want to see fantasy football continue to explode because people want points. That's what they want. But do you think that's really what it is? Because at a certain point, if everybody's scoring, there's no differentiation. Yeah, I do. Because it's always about the final score, Luke. It's always about that. It's not about how we get there. It's about the final score. Somebody's always going to win. Somebody's always going to lose. It's about the score. They don't care how you get there. And that bothers me. Because football is a process. It's a beautiful process. It's brutal. Brutal and beautiful at once. Brutal. That's what makes it so cool. Now, all of a sudden, you're just making it almost impossible, and you don't know the kind of impact or the cause and effect it will have on players wanting to play the game. Who wants to play on the defense when it's almost impossible to play defense? Who wants to be a defensive player in high school? When it's it, the rules are so favored towards the offense, who wants that? You, you just uh, 
the law of unintended consequences comes into play here. All right, coming up, this is the last weekend of spring training. So opening day is next Thursday for the D-backs. And D-backs legend Luis Gonzalez will join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we got Wolf all fired up about football, and we'll get back into that. But uh, spring training's wrapping up this weekend. Opening day for the D-backs next Thursday against the Dodgers. And joining us right now, D-backs legend Luis Gonzalez, one of the few guys I don't even have to introduce. I can just say Gonzo and everybody That's knows. right, Gonzo. What's going on, Gonzo? What's going on, guys? How you doing? Boy, Gonzo, thank you so much for joining us right now. It allows me a little respite from the game of football. <laughs> Some of the rule changes are coming out, and you know me. I love the old-school approach to the game of football. I'm not going to apologize for that. And having said that, how are you doing with these new rules in the game of baseball? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely different. We've seen a huge uh, change in the, the, uh, the time of the game. And uh, it, I, I think it's probably for the better for everybody. Uh, we saw the World Baseball Classic as fun and exciting as it was. Those games were some of them were three and a half, four hours. So uh, uh, it, it'll be it'll be a fun change for the players. I think a lot of them are learning real fast. They got to speed up a little bit of what they do, but uh, it should help uh, the overall game and keeping fans uh, intrigued and coming to the ballpark. Gonzo, the the pitch clock one in particular, we were out there for a couple of days of spring training, you know, watching the games with I think it was Josh Rojas and Zach Gallen while we were you know doing the interviews, and and they had different perspectives on on how that might affect play. I mean, just from your experience as a hitter, how do you think you would have handled that? Well, I think you know you have to learn to adjust. We're we're in a time of change a lot, and uh, you know it's part of the process right now. So for me. Uh, as a hitter, you know, I was one that, you know, and, and all athletes have a routine. And when they get in a good, comfortable routine, they stick with it. If they see that it doesn't work, they move on and try something different. But, uh, you know, they're going to have to figure out their new routine to get them ready to go up there to, to go up there and hit at the plate. So for me, it would have been interesting because I usually took my time getting in the batter's box. But once I got in, <laughs> You know, I was about my routine. I would step out and get back in. But I, I wasn't one of those guys that took forever, you know, walking up to the plate. And, I mean, guys will stand there waiting for their song to almost be done before they step in the batter's box. You know, Gonzo, there is a optimism that is swirling around this team a little bit. And the energy that's swirling around it is also very interesting. Your thoughts on their prospects this year? Oh man, it, this is uh, you know we we've made that commitment to Corbin Carroll, and you know he's one of the top prospects in all of baseball, and this guy has not disappointed. I mean, he's gone out and had a fantastic spring. He's one of the leaders in almost all the offensive categories, and uh, you know he's he's very young. I think he's twenty one or twenty two years old, but he's mental wise and his uh, aptitude out there on the field, he plays like a twenty five, twenty six year old, like he's been out there for a while. And I think what he's done is kind of rejuvenate and re-energize a lot of the, you know, like the four or five-year players uh, that are, you know, just starting to get into that grind, know that they're going to be around for a little bit. 
to kind of rejuvenate them because he all he wants to do is work. And when you have a young player like that that wants to work, you don't want to get left behind. So a lot of those players are kind of getting pushed a little bit by a young guy like him. So I think that's going to create a lot more positivity and energy around our our uh, our locker room. And he doesn't like to lose, which is which is something that uh, we love. We want to have a winner in there, and we know that we're going to have him locked up for a long time. We're talking to D-backs legend Luis Gonzalez right now. Gonzo, you mentioned Corbin Carroll. That outfield with Jake McCarthy and Alec Thomas, too. Just setting aside the hitting, which is obviously the most exciting part, but the defense that they provide, that feels like one of those things. I know there are analytics to measure it, but just watching the game, that almost feels like one of those advantages the D-backs are going to have this season that you can't really uh, easily measure, I should say. Oh, absolutely. If it's got any kind of hang time, those guys are running it down, which is which is exciting to see. We saw it last year. Uh, the second half of the season, towards the end, and in, uh, in, in September, when 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 the balls were hit up in the air, and you you would almost think they're going to be gappers or ball and gap. These guys are running it down, so it's a, it's a it's an awesome sight to see how these guys communicate out there and they get around, uh, you know, to, to track those balls down. Well, another guy too that's really making a push is a former rookie of the year that was with Seattle is Kyle Lewis. This guy. He's had a fantastic spring. He's starting to hit for power. He's had multiple knee surgeries. Um, he plays with a big old knee brace. He won't run them down like those guys do in the outfield, but he provides a lot of right-handed pop that we've been missing uh, the last few years, aside from you know Christian Walker and some of the guys that play every day. But we've, we've brought in another guy who we feel like can be a good right-handed bat for us. You know, Gonzo, um, Corbin Carroll is fascinating to me. There's no no denying this, and no doubt about it. I love watching him play, the energy, of course, the intensity that he plays with. Now he did sign that big contract. Have you talked to him? Have you talked to him personally? And if so, what kind of advice would you give Corbin Carroll? I've talked to him personally, and I knew him. Uh, when he was coming up through the minor leagues, and uh, he's a great kid. And, you know, he comes from a good family, and you know he's going to work. He's not going to – he doesn't want to disappoint people. And one of the good signs that I've seen, you know, even now he's in big league camp and stuff, and he still has come upstairs to say hi to people and be around. He's a good uh, – he's a good leader. He's a natural uh, – he has natural ability when he goes out there and play, but plays. But not only that, but he works hard, and that's something that's a positive for our club and and for the people in the city. I mean, they're used to seeing guys that go out there and play hard, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, hockey, whatever it is. They fall in love with the players that want to go out there and win and play hard. And uh, we've seen that in the last you know ten, fifteen, twenty years here in Arizona. If you got players that go out there and give you heart and passion and are uh, uh, you know, go out there and try to win every day. That's what the fans want to see. Luis Gonzalez joining us. Uh, Gonzo, Alec Thomas last year, right when he first broke in, was hitting everything. And then I remember talking to him late in the season. He was like, look, the pitchers have adjusted to me, and now I have to adjust back. And, I, I, you know, that's a process. From your perspective as a hitter, what is that process like when you're first breaking in? Yeah, it's an adjustment period. I mean, you know, obviously you're right. When they first get to the big leagues, you know, unless you've played against them, a lot of, you know, pitchers that have been around for a long time don't really know the scouting reports on them. And then once they see a swing a few times or watch it on tape, then they start making those adjustments. And it's a part of uh, being around the big leagues for a long time. When you, you know, just as when players get older, they they have to adjust their game to try to keep up with uh, with everybody else. You know, when you got young players coming up, 
you know, you got to continue to go out there and find ways to uh, to keep up with everybody. And I think for him, uh, going this year and playing in the WBC, playing for Mexico, and you know, having a great showing there and playing all the way till the end, uh, it was good for him. He missed time here with the D-backs on our club, but it was a great experience for him, and hopefully that helps him mentally wise and being able to play in the huge crowds that he was playing in front of and things like that. Gonzo, we all have concerns, of course, for any team when you're going into a regular season. What are your concerns for the D-backs? Just health. You want to try to keep those guys healthy. We just, uh, you know, we lost Merrill Kelly last week getting hit by a pitch. And uh, we're going to have a young catcher in Moreno who's – He's looked phenomenal. I mean, uh, thank goodness our guys went out there. I mean, as much as I love uh, Varsho, he was a great player for us. We've picked up pretty a couple of pretty good players in return in Guriel and Moreno. And Moreno's looked fantastic in spring training so far. Hit another home run yesterday, opposite field. Uh, Guriel, you know what he's going to give you every time he goes out there. So it's a plus for us to have those guys. I'm going to miss having Varsho because he was a steady Eddie for us. Mm. He could play anywhere in the outfield. He can catch whenever you needed him to. And he played the game the right way. But uh, with these guys coming in, it gives us new opportunity. And uh, the, the young kid's going to have to step in now, especially if he's named the starting catcher with losing a, a veteran guy like Carson Kelly because now he really has to learn these pitchers and our starting rotation, and not only that, but a lot of these new relievers that we have coming in. Gonzo, everybody always talks about the NL West and how stacked it is, and rightly so, but, I mean, you guys have a pretty good lineup now, even though it's it's young, but it's it's a pretty good lineup. What You know, if you guys were to make the playoffs this year, what do you see that path being to get there? Well, I think what happens now is they spread the love out now, so everybody has to play. Uh, we don't play as many games in our division. Yeah. And that was a tough thing, you know, with the, with the new scheduling, we'll play every team. So when you're playing in the National League West, you could beat up on each other quite a bit, especially when you're playing uh, the Dodgers and the Padres with all the acquisitions that they've made. And, you know, when you have a young team like that, it wears you down. So uh, for us, it's just a matter of uh, going out there and playing with confidence, playing aggressive that's going to be our i think that's going to be our main thing is if we can go out there and steal some bases we got a lot of young energetic guys that can run the bases and can run balls down in the outfield and in the infield and we've added some core veteran guys uh in there like Longoria and those guys that can provide some leadership and kind of guide those guys a little bit in the clubhouse and on the field and on the bench that's going to help us uh in the long run gonzo thank you so much man we appreciate your time as always bro you got it, guys. Anytime. Thanks, okay, Gonzo. Thanks, Gonzo. That's Luis Gonzalez joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. That excitement, it's its legit for the D-backs this year. There's always you know excitement this time of year because it's baseball, and especially where we live, you know, you can, you can almost feel baseball in the air here in spring. But it's nice to be able to actually honestly be excited about the local team, too. A lot of unknowns right now, but that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. There's a lot of upside on this team. It's, it's going to be funny. The last thing he said, too, we'll get back into that later on in the show, but... Um, when you spread out the the schedule like that, you actually could just be a dominant uh, division, and, and and you don't have to just get past the Dodgers and the Padres to be able to do anything this season. All right, we come back back to basketball. The Suns have lost five of their last six games. How much would the simple act of just winning a game mean for this team? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.